Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We're looking at a conference message that was given by Ronald A. Rasban. He is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That means he's within the top 15 ranking leaders within the church. He gave a conference message titled, The Things of My Soul. What things do you ponder, he asked. What things really matter to you, and what are the things of your soul? And today we're going to be looking at point number five in his list of seven, where he says, fifth, always be worthy to attend the temple. Now, Eric, this would be one of those unique things that we as New Testament Christians would not include in our list because temple participation, as we understand it, and as the LDS people understand it, certainly are not the same thing. And so this would not be something I would think that most Christians would put on their list. What does he say about being worthy to attend the temple? I call it being recommended to the Lord, whether you have access to a temple or not. Being worthy of a current temple recommend keeps you firmly focused on the things that matter, the covenant path. The covenant path. Now, again, those are buzzwords within the LDS vernacular that deal with personal performance and doing the things that are right, thinking the things that are right. It's all about works. But Gordon B. Hinckley had something to say about this in a talk that he gave called Keeping the Temple Holy. This was a conference message that Gordon B. Hinckley gave back in April of 1990. It's found in the May 1990 edition of Ensign Magazine. Hinckley was not the president at this time, though he was the first counselor in the first presidency. He gives what I call the credit card analogy. What did Hinckley have to say about this? I hold before you two credit cards. Most of you are familiar with cards such as these. The first is a bank credit card. It permits me to secure merchandise on credit and then pay for my purchases at one time. It is a valuable thing and something to be safeguarded. If stolen and dishonestly used, it could cause me great loss and perhaps considerable embarrassment. In accepting it from my bank, I enter into a contract and become bound by obligations and agreements. In accepting the card, I agree to meet the conditions under which it was issued. It is issued for one year only and must be reissued each year if I am to enjoy the privileges afforded by it. It is not really mine. The bank retains ownership. If I fail in my required performance, then the bank may shut off the credit and repossess the card. The other card which I have is what we call a temple recommend. It represents a credit card with the Lord, making available to me many of his greatest gifts. The bank card is concerned with the things of the world, the recommend with things of God. Now, I don't see how anyone could argue that this has nothing to do with personal performance. 
he makes it very clear that if you own a bank credit card, there are certain agreements that you make. And if you don't live up to those agreements, it can be taken away from you. The same with the recommend. In other words, if you don't live up to the performance that is necessary to be worthy to attend a temple, you're not going to get this recommend. Or you could have your recommend taken away. How is that not something that is based on personal performance? Of course it is. If you don't go to the temple, you don't qualify for celestial exaltation. So certainly this is another emphasis on doing something in the context of Mormonism. Hinckley had more to say about this. He does admit that eligibility for a temple recommend is not based on financial worth. That has nothing whatsoever to do with it. Well, it does have something to do with finances, though, Mr. Hinckley, because if you don't have a full tithe paid, you don't get a recommend. So money is involved, but it's not really based on your personal worth. That's true. But he did go on to say it is based on consistent personal behavior, on the goodness of one's life. So again, we see that personal performance, personal behavior, that's the phrase that Hinckley used, is absolutely essential. He goes on to say the bank card opens the door to financial credit. The temple recommend opens the door to the house of the Lord. But then he says something very interesting, Eric. He goes on to say, I fear that some people are granted temple recommends before they are really prepared for them. I feel that sometimes we unduly rush people to the temple. Converts and those who have recently come into activity need a substantial measure of maturity in the church. They need understanding of the grand concepts of the eternal gospel. They need to have demonstrated over a period of time their capacity to discipline their lives in such a way as to be worthy to enter the house of the Lord for the obligations there assumed are eternal. Again, I ask the question. How can you not see the connection between personal behavior, doing good works, and this temple recommend, which is tied into their eventual eternal life if they are good enough to achieve eternal life, which is synonymous in Mormonism with exaltation or godhood? And then Ronald Rasband goes on to point number six. He says, Be joyful and cheerful. Be of good cheer and do not fear, the Lord has said. How? When challenges face us at every turn? Because of the promises made by Jesus Christ. Quote, I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you, end quote. Now, he gives us two quotations here, but they're both from Doctrine and Covenants, section 68. The context of this passage that he has used really is dealing with some men that are going to be sent on a mission trip, one of whom was Orson Hyde. And so I can see how he might take what was directed at them personally and say that this is certainly something that would benefit the whole church. I get that. But that's really the context that's being used here. The point I want to bring up, when they talk about be of good cheer and do not fear, for me as a Christian, my biggest fear, and I mean this in all sincerity, would be the idea that somehow my sins were not forgiven and I would fall under the just wrath of an all-holy God. Now, a Mormon should empathize with me on this because in their scripture, in section 1, verse 31, in the Doctrine and Covenants, it says that God does not look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. One of the reasons why I do not have fear 
regarding my fallenness is because I believe that God has justified me because of my faith in what Jesus did for me on the cross at Calvary. I can rest in that assurance based on the work that Christ did and not on my personal works, which of course are always going to be tainted by my fallenness, by my sinfulness. So when it says, be of good cheer and do not fear, I know the context is dealing with them taking the restored gospel message to the world, but how can a Latter-day Saint not have a certain element of fear knowing that as Hinckley talks about the credit card and having it revoked if you do something that's not in accordance with what you covenanted or contractually agreed to in order to have that card, If that card can be pulled for bad behavior, the recommend can be pulled for bad behavior, so too can't a Latter-day Saint's potential eternal life be pulled by bad behavior. Of course it can. And it's emphasized all the time by leaders in the church. When it says, do not fear, I would think if you're a thoughtful Latter-day Saint, there would always be in the back of your mind, Am I doing everything I'm supposed to do? If I were to die right now, would I receive what I'm hoping to receive? I don't know if any Latter-day Saint could answer that question honestly unless the answer would be, I don't think so. I'm probably not. Because they all know that they have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Rasband goes on to cite Nelson once again. He says, President Nelson describes the restored gospel as, quote, a message of joy, end quote. And he explains, quote, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives, end quote. Doesn't that almost seem to imply, based on what we've been talking about in this show, that you have to pretty much ignore a lot of things in order to have that as a Latter-day Saint? When he says, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives. Well, sometimes the circumstances of our lives is a self-reflection and realizing that we also sin and come short of the glory of God. If it was not for the New Testament understanding of grace, I don't know how a Latter-day Saint could really have that true understanding of grace joy. It almost seems for a Latter-day Saint that you have to ignore a lot of things in order to arrive at that conclusion. Now, I'm sure some Latter-day Saints would argue with me on that one, but I'm trying to be as consistent as possible in this understanding that is being given to us by Ronald Rasbin. Here's one of the reasons why I make that statement. The mention of a covenant path by Ronald Rasban is right in this section. But what is it said, according to LDS theology, regarding the covenant or the covenant path? According to True to the Faith, this is on page 44, a covenant is a sacred agreement between God and a person or group of people. God sets specific conditions, and he promises to bless us as we obey those conditions. Kind of like what Hinckley is saying about the credit card. When we choose not to keep covenants, we cannot receive the blessings, and in some instances, we suffer a penalty as a consequence of our disobedience. Well, Eric, wouldn't most Latter-day Saints say that if they don't keep their covenants, they're not going to receive the quote-unquote blessing of eternal life? In other words, God is not expected to come through with his end of the bargain because you failed to live up to the expectations that you agreed to. 
And Latter-day Saints make covenants when they get baptized every week at the sacrament and when they go to the temple. Listen to what Spencer W. Kimball said in The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 57. Akin to many of the other sins is that of the covenant breaker. The person baptized promises to keep all the laws and commandments of God. He has partaken of the sacrament and repledged his allegiance and his fidelity, promising and covenanting that he will keep all God's laws. Numerous folks have gone to the temples and recovenanted that they would live all the commandments of God, keep their lives clean, devoted, worthy, and serviceable. Yet many there are who forget their covenants and break the commandments, sometimes deliberately tempting the faithful away with them. Well, I don't know how any Latter-day Saint who has been through the temple, and, and, and this is what we've been talking about today, Especially towards the end of the LDS endowment ceremony in the temple, you have the character portraying Lucifer, in which he says, You have looked over my kingdom and my greatness and glory. Now you want to take possession of the whole of it. At this point, the character portraying Lucifer stares into the camera. In other words, he's looking right at all of those that are participating in that particular endowment ceremony, and he says this, I have a word to say concerning these people. If they do not walk up to every covenant they make at these altars in this temple, this day they will be in my power. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.